Welcome to the Crosspoint Leadership Podcast, where we cover leadership from every angle, from church life to home life and everything in between. Welcome to episode three of the Crosspoint Leadership Podcast. Let's jump right in and get started. I think if we're talking about leadership, we absolutely have to look at Jesus. We, he's the greatest example of what great leadership looks like. And if we look at his life, I think there's some things we can pull out of it, how he lived to help us lead. And so if you think about Jesus life, he had around 33 years here on the earth to get a big job done. And at first glance, it looks like, well, his main goal was to, to come and to, to, die on the cross. That's how his journey ended. But he, he, he left something behind. And that's, that's what I want to focus in on in this episode. Jesus lived his entire life like he was leaving because he knew he was leaving. Even after his assignment, dying on the cross, that, that part of his assignment was completed. He had to do more than that in his time here on the earth. And so what he had to do is he had to think about what would happen when he was gone. And so that's what I want to focus on in this episode. Everything Jesus did, he did with the future in mind. Everything. Think about this. Jesus needed people to continue to carry his message on after he was gone. So his death on the cross was was vital. But just as important as his death on the cross was carrying the message of the cross to future generations. And so to do this, he had to make sure that the individuals that he was leading knew what he wanted done, how he wanted it done. He had to teach them, train them, develop them because they would be continuing the work he started. and. To accomplish this, what Jesus did was he had to replicate himself in the people that he was leading. In fact, let me share a scripture with you to just reiterate what I've been saying so far. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus is telling his men, the men that he was leading, about what will come next. And he was telling them, uh, in terms of instructions, here's what I want you to do. And it's it's interesting to see what he says in his last words to these men. He says in verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. What I I want you to see from this scripture is, this is a leadership scripture. This is uh, a leadership principle. He says, you go and make disciples. Who is he talking to? He's talking to disciples that he made. And he's saying, now you go 
and do what I did with you, do that with someone else. And then in verse 20, he explains that a little bit more when he says, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Go lead them in the same manner in which I led you. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, go and replicate who you are in someone else. Go replicate yourselves. And and this is this is important when when we think about doing this. And again, if we if we go back and and understand that Jesus was living his life with the understanding that he would be leaving. So everything he did was about the future. He was thinking about what do these individuals need to know when I'm gone so that they can continue the work that I started. And so he's, he's telling them this and he's communicating this not only to them, but to you and I as well. And he's saying, go replicate yourselves in others. Don't, don't just keep what you've learned to yourself, right? So, so here's a, here's a key point in, in the first part of this year. And it's this, to replicate ourselves, we must be willing to release those that we lead. Just think about what Jesus had to do. The fate, in a sense, I mean, we, we understand that there are, um, we could go into this a little bit deeper in terms of theology, but I just want you to get the picture here. The fate of God's plan rested in the men that Jesus led and was leaving to now manage and execute the plan he started. Now, think about people on your teams, in your organization, wherever that this impacts you and ask yourself, how would you feel leaving the whole plan to some of your people? Now, I'm sure many of you are thinking, there's no way I could do it. There's no way. But Jesus knew all along he would have to do that. So how he led these men was based upon that feeling you're having right now. I'm sure when he first met these guys, he he thought probably like you might be thinking right now, there's no way they would mess it all up. And so what did he do? He shaped his leadership to deal with that tension that he felt. And everything that he did was built around resolving that tension. I need to replicate myself in these men. So here's how I'm going to train them. I recognize the areas where they're weak. I recognize the areas where they're strong. I recognize where they need to be better, where they need to change an attitude, where they, and so that's what he dealt with. That is what leaders do. That is how you replicate yourself in other people. That is what Jesus did when he left. You ask yourself this question. If I were not here, what do the individuals that I'm leading right now, what do they need to know? What do they know really well? What do they not know? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And then you build training around the answers to those questions. Now, let me just say this too. If there's an issue where you feel like I could never leave this to, you know, this team member, or if I'm not here, it's going that that's a that's not a team member issue. 
That's a leadership issue. Every issue always comes back to the leadership. It just does. It absolutely does. And so you've, you've got to really think about that and keep that in mind. So what Jesus was doing, instead of consolidating all the knowledge and responsibility with himself and saying, no, you know, I have all the power. I have all the insight. I have all the understanding. What he was doing was he was spreading out the load over as many people as possible. That's what he was doing. And, And that's what great leaders do. Great leaders don't consolidate all the knowledge and responsibility with themselves. They share and spread and teach and train so that the load is dispersed over a large uh, group of people. Because one person can't carry the load. We All of the load. We've, we've talked about that. Um, leaders, we are in the business of transferring wisdom and responsibility to others. You've got to catch that. We can't just hold on to all of the knowledge and responsibility and kind of guard it and protect it. And it's some type of, it, it gives us some type of power. And, and that is the, those are all wrong reasons. And those create poor leaders, leaders that people do not want to follow. So we're in the business of transferring wisdom and responsibility to others. So if you think about like this, leaders are like a conduit. They, they transport something or, or maybe, um, maybe you could think of like a water hose. Okay, that's, a, that's maybe a better, a better way of thinking about this. Leaders are, are trying to transfer to individuals knowledge and responsibility and the ability to take responsibility. That, that's what, what we're trying to do as leaders. So we're trying to say, let me, let me help you know what I know and see what I see. And so that's the process of training. But a lot of times that flow of wisdom, responsibility, and the ability to handle responsibility, it gets clogged up and it stops flowing. I was uh, doing a youth event years ago and, and we were building a giant slip and slide. And so I had to, I had to find as, as much um, length of water hose that I could find. And so I, I was going around the the church and I was digging out water hose from all over the place, you know, and I, I finally found, um, I probably had five of them hooked together, you know? And so I had to reach really far with, uh, these, these water hoses. And so I, I went out there and I had uh, everything set up and the only thing I needed was water. I'd, I had put down this big, huge plastic and I put dish soap all on it, you know, so that it could be nice and slick. And so, I go over, I stretch out the water hose and it's, it's laying right there on the slip and slide. And I go around and I, I turn on the water and I walk all the way around the building. And I'm just imagining in my mind that when I get over there, there are going to be suds just all down this slip and slide and it's going to be marvelous, you know? And so I walk over there and I get to the end of the water hose and there is nothing coming out. Well, I thought, Hey, there's hundreds of feet of this water hose. So there's a good chance that it's making its way down. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and wait. And so I sat there and I, I waited. A minute went by, two minutes went by, five minutes went by and, and nothing was coming out. And I thought for sure that the water would have already been flowing. 
And so I let the water hose sit there for 10 minutes and nothing came out. I went back and I, I turned the water off and I took the water hose off of the spigot. And then I turned the spigot on without the water hose. And sure enough, water was flowing out. So I put it back on, went back to the end of the, the water hose at the slip and slide where the dish soap was all ready to be saturated with water and create this amazing slip and slide. Still no water. So I picked up the end of the hose and, you know, uh, looked right down in there to see if I could see if there was something in the way and there wasn't anything in there. I could see I'm shining a flashlight in there, you know, trying to see if there was something clogging it. And so I started squeezing on the hose from the end where the water comes out and I was walking, squeezing it, squeezing it, squeezing it. And I, I could tell that there wasn't anything in there. Well, I got back a few feet and, and, uh, Still, I, I couldn't feel anything and I kept, you know, kept going. So I thought, I'm just going to pick the water hose up and I'm going to kind of slap it on the ground and and see what happens. You know, see if something, I can break something loose. Well, did it and nothing happened. And so the water had been running into that hose now for probably 20 minutes. And so I thought, I'm, I'm going to go get a piece of wire and I'm going to run it up in that hose, you know, and I'm going to. I'm going to try to see, see what's going on. Well, one last try, I thought I'm going to, let's let me, let me look in there and see. And so I pick up the water hose and I, I'm looking down in there and I can hear some gurgling noises. And then all of a sudden, just, I mean, this giant spray of mud came out all over me and, and everywhere. And, and the water was spitting out and, and, uh, all that time, I guess what had happened is there was in some of those old water hoses I had got, they had gotten clogged. They had dirt all inside of there. And the water had been soaking for the past 20 minutes and loosening up all that debris. Plus, I was whipping it on the ground, trying to break it apart. And eventually, it, it, it broke free. And, of course, it came out all over me and got me muddy head to, do, head to toe. But here, here's the point in the story. You, you can be the problem. You can clog the flow of leadership. If you have a wrong focus as a leader, you can have all the components there and you can, and you can have the water and you can have the hose and you can have everything set up and ready to go and, and, and still not see success in what you're trying to do because you're as a leader and your approach to leadership, you're blocking the flow. See, you can get in the way. You can get in the way of building a great team, great organization, great ministry, whatever the case might be because of the way you lead. See, just because you're the leader doesn't mean you're the best at every position. Now, I know you probably think you are. You probably think you need to be involved in everything. That's typical. But even if you were the best at a certain position, think about this. Because of your position as a leader and the amount of responsibility you have, your ability is weakened. Right. Even you, you can't spread yourself around in all those areas and still be good in all those areas. Plus, you can't cons- you, you couldn't sustain the pace. There's, there's no way you could continue running at a dead sprint for the duration of your leadership. Not to mention that. When you're gone and everything rested on your shoulders, when you leave, it all crumbles. See, I think that leadership success is defined by legacy. 
not by the moment. It's what you leave behind after you're gone. I think that really defines whether or not your time in leadership was successful. If it crumbles after you're gone, that's a sign of poor leadership. I'm just going to tell you. It says, I, I didn't train anybody. I didn't develop anybody. I was a clog in the water hose. And we, we don't want to be that as leaders. So, so here's the question you have to ask yourself as a leader. Do I want to do it all? Or do I want it all to be good? You can't have both. Do I want to do it all? Or do I want it all to be good? I want it all to be good. And if I want it all to be good, I can't do it all. If I want it all to be good, I can't do it all. See, you clog the flow of new leaders coming down and you clog the flow of of wisdom and responsibility and the ability to take responsibility. There, There are kind of two things that do that. One is pride. And pride says, I'm the only one that can do it because I can do it the best. And if you want it done, you right, you got to do it yourself. That's really not a great leadership statement. I know that we say that, but that's actually not a great way to lead. If you want to do it all, that's fine, but you can't lead effectively and do it all. And so to say, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. That's, that's, a, that's a commentary on poor training for you and development of your team. If that's kind of the, the mantra that you have. See, as leaders, I want you to listen to this. As leaders, we are building machines, not platforms. See, let, let me show you the difference. Machines produce something for others, and they're made up of a bunch of individual parts working together. Platforms elevate an individual. See, if you're working to be seen and known That's pride and maybe even selfish ambition. And those things always clog the flow. That's poor leadership and it will not succeed. You might be seen as some great leader because you're standing on an elevated platform that you've built for yourself because you do everything and you're seen and you're, but, but that's not success. That doesn't leave a legacy. We're not trying to build platforms or trying to build machines. Great leaders build machines that produce other leaders not platforms, so they can be seen by others. So you might say, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to be seen by others. Well, yeah, I would challenge that. You might think that you're humble, that you're just wanting to be in the background, but, but really, if you can't hand stuff off to other people and you can't trust other people, it's all because you, and I've even said this myself, I, I have said this, you know, if my name's going to be on it, I'm going to make sure that it's good, right? And I understand that as I totally understand that. But I'm saying that that type of approach to leadership, it you can't sustain that. So you have to do like Jesus did and you have to lead like you're leaving. You have to communicate to those that you've been leading, those that are on your teams. You have to act as if, um, you're not going to be there someday and they need to know what you know. They need to see what you see. So they have to participate in what you're doing. If you do it all, it all can't be good. Great leaders build machines that produce other leaders, not platforms to be seen by others. So here's kind of a way of looking at this. 
you want to build an organization or ministry, a team, a department that says, come and do what I do. That's the philosophy as opposed to saying, come and come and watch what I do. That's much different approach, but it's, it's what you have to do for legacy and legacy is what we're going for because we want to build something that lasts. So here's what this does. This creates greater efficiency. It creates greater capacity and in turn, it creates greater reach. So success isn't defined for, for us. So for, for a church, for Crosspoint, success isn't defined by how many people we can get in the building. Success is defined by how many people we can send out of the building. Last thing, just want to finish up with this. This is an interesting statistic. I think that helps to support what I'm saying here. And that is this 70% of wealthy families lose their wealth by the second generation. 70%. That's a staggering number. 90% of wealthy families lose their wealth by the third generation. Somewhere in there, there is a breakdown of how to deal with money. It's poor leadership. Those generations don't know how to handle what their grandparents or their parents had to handle, and so they lose it. That's what happens in organizations, in churches, in departments, and whatever. In it, it, When a leader's gone and everything falls apart, that's a sign that there's not been the proper training. It's short-sighted. It's only concerned with the present. And when you have a lack of training, there will always be a lack of legacy. And so what you're doing will not continue. And so what you want to do as a leader, what we want to do as a church is to build a legacy, something that will continue after we're gone. I hope and pray that after I'm gone, that Crosspoint increases beyond what I could ever have imagined. Everything Jesus did, he had future generations in mind. In fact, there's this great scripture that says the works that Jesus did, the works that I do, he he said, you will do and even greater works. So Jesus was leading with legacy in mind. And he lived and he led his followers like he was leaving. So that's my challenge to you. Ask yourself, what has to happen in order for my department, my organization, my ministry to continue, my family for that matter. What has, to, what has to happen so that after I'm gone, they don't fall apart? What do I need to teach them, train them? Where are their strengths? Where are their weaknesses? And then you build a system to train and develop and build that into those individuals. That's how you lead like you're leaving. Well, I know that gives you a lot to think about. It always gives me a lot to think about. And I, I have... Um, I have to work on this as well. And, and, and uh, I want to challenge you to do the same. So think about it and ask yourself, where, where am I leading like I'm staying? And where am I leading like I'm leaving? And what, does, what needs to happen with all of my, my training? So go check it out. Uh, ask yourself those hard questions. And uh, we'll see you next time.